0: If you would turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 53, we're going to be in verse 1. How many of you been enjoying this series on prayer? Man, was that last week amazing? Oh, that was amazing. That story of Rizba has just resonated all week with me. What a word from our pastor. And so up to this morning, I, w- I want to continue in our series on prayer. I want to talk to you about prayers of agreement. Someone say prayers of agreement. Come on, say it like you had some breakfast. Say prayers of agreement. That was better. Before we even begin to talk about agreeing with one another in prayer, how many of you know that the most important person we need to agree with in prayer is God? Isaiah 53 verse 1 says this. He says, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Someone say, amen. God actually looks for and searches for those who will believe and trust him, but those who will agree with what he has spoken in Ezekiel 37. How many of you are familiar with the story when God shows e- Ezekiel, the, the valley of the dry bones? And he says, do you believe that these bones should live? And he sa- and, and Ezekiel replied, he said, you know, Lord, and the Bible says that Ezekiel agreed with the word of the Lord. And God told Ezekiel, "I want you to prophesy over the valley of dry bones." Amen? And we know we know the rest is history. but here's the, here's the principle is this. We must too quickly learn to agree with God. Amen. In Matthew chapter nine, when they asked Jesus to do a miracle, he asked them this question. He goes, "Do you believe that I can? Amen? There are times where Jesus would ask a question. Do you believe that I can? He was looking for agreement. Someone say agreement. Jesus said this in John chapter 5 verse 19. It says, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Do you know what Jesus just said? Jesus said he only did what his father did was doing. He only did what he saw his father do. That means all Jesus did was come into an agreement with what the father was doing. Between the Godhead, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, there's agreement. And God looks for those who will agree with his word. Amen. God looks for those who will agree with him in prayer concerning his word. Amen. And and here's what's so important is this. We've got to learn you know, God doesn't force us. And, and I don't want to use the language uh, of we should. I mean, I'm sorry, we should. I don't want to uh, use the language that he forces or, or be forceful. It's a choice. We have to choose to agree with God's word. And here's the thing. We ought to learn to agree with God's word even when we don't see how it's going to happen. Amen? Come on, how many of you have been walking with the Lord long enough? You have, you have learned this. I, gotta, I have learned that I have to agree with God's word before I feel it. I can't wait for my eyes to see it. I can't wait for my emotions to feel it. I I have even learned this. I need to agree with God's word even when I don't understand. You see, sometimes God brings us very quickly into understanding, but there are times where we will believe before we will understand. I've come to realize this is one of the mysteries of faith is sometimes we do not understand in order to believe. We believe in order to understand. Hey man, how many of you know that's true? We've got to learn to agree with God when it looks hopeless. Here's another one. How many of you know we've got to learn to agree with God when it looks impossible? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith, Abraham obeyed God and left the land which God was calling him to, to journey to a land that God promised. But the Bible says that Abraham didn't know where he was going. I like what one preacher said. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew what he was looking for. Amen. God is looking for people who will agree with his word. Say amen. Daniel chapter 9. I'm just building my case. Are you with me? Daniel chapter 9. It says this verse 1. If you have your Bibles or they're going to put it on the screen. It says in the first year of Darius. Of the lineage of Medes. Who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. It says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the book, books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through the pro- prophet Jeremiah. That he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Listen to what the Bible says. And it says, then he says, I set my face toward the Lord. Someone say toward the Lord. To make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting. Sathcloth and ashes, he said, I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession and said, oh Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Someone say amen. amen. This is an incredible story because what the Bible is telling us is that Daniel is reading the, the scriptures, he and he the Bible says he comes to an understanding by just the reading that the prophet Jeremiah said Israel would be in captivity for 70 years. Amen. And, and Daniel's looking at his at his calendar. and He said, hey, listen, we're coming on 70 years really quick. But it's interesting. Daniel didn't do what so many of us often do. Daniel didn't say, well, if God said it, it's going to happen. If it's God's will, it's just going to find its way into my life. The Bible says Daniel set his face. He fasted and he sought the Lord. Even though the Lord promised according to the prophet Jeremiah, that it would only be 70 years in captivity. Daniel said, I'm going to take this word. He goes, I'm not just going to wait for it to fall on my lap. I'm not just going to wait for it to magically appear. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay a hold of it in prayer. I'm going to petition God to keep his word and see what Daniel did was Daniel came into an agreement with what God had spoken concerning Israel. I, I want to say this about your life. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are things that God has promised over you. There are things. Actually, if you could see into the spirit, I'll I'll venture as far as to say this. If you could see into the spirit right now, there are things that God has in store for you. There are things coming your way. There are things that God has planned for you. But God is waiting for you to agree with him in prayer concerning things for your life. I'll never forget. I heard a prophet share this story and and it always stuck with me. And he shared this, I forgot his name, but he said, God showed him one time, I think it was in a dream, all of these storehouses in heaven. And, God, and he asked God, he said, God, what, what, what are all these storehouses? He goes, look. And he said, he, he said, in these storehouses, he saw shelves. He said, on the shelves, there were breakthroughs. There was healings. There was new eyes. There was all kind of miracles and answered prayer. He said, these are things my people never contended for. What are the things that God wants you to contend for over your life? What are the things this year that God wants you to contend for over your family? What are here? Let's, let's take this further. What are the things that God wants us to contend for for this city? What are some of the things that God wants us to contend for over this nation? See, God is waiting for people who will agree with him in prayer and come into an agreement with his plans and his purposes for our lives. How many of you know that's true? Say Amen. So the first thing we want to do with prayer is we want to agree with God in prayer. If there's anything I have learned through the years, it's this. It's that God is faithful. You know, God will God will give us things that we have not even prayed for. Thank God for that. Amen. God, God I want to be very clear. God in his mercy will cause some things to come to pass. Many things come to pass that we didn't pray for. And really that maybe we dropped the ball on. God will still be faithful. But there are things in our life that God waits for us to claim them. God waits for us to agree in prayer. And he says you have not because you ask not. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and found out I could have agreed and asked God in prayer for things that he had for my life, but I just simply chose not to. You know, I learned, I'm gonna, I didn't share this in the first story. I don't know if I've shared this story before. I learned this principle very powerfully right before the pandemic. It was, it was the end of 2019 and I had, a, I had a burning desire. I don't know why. I think it was from the Lord to go to Brazil. Don't know why. I've never been there. I've been to Africa, Europe, Asia. All, all, I've been to all these different places, but i would never been to South America. But I had a burning desire to go to Brazil. So I prayed a simple prayer. True story. In my bedroom. I said, God, I feel this burden. I said, if this is you, I say yes. But I, I, I said, I don't have any connections there. I'm not going to call anyone. If this is you, I agree. And I say yes. Let it be, let it be so, right? Kid you not, two weeks later. Two weeks later, I get a phone call from a guy who's never called me. He's known of me or known me from afar. He's never called me before. In fact, I almost didn't answer the number because I didn't recognize it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Say, you, when, you, when that phone rings and you don't recognize it, you're like, man, this is a gamble. It's either going to be about some car insurance on a car I don't have. I don't know how that works. A, a car you owned 20 years ago. It's like, how are y'all still show, selling insurance? You know what I'm saying? Like... Or, 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 Hey, come <laughs> Never mind. Let me just stop. So I, I'm looking at the phone. I'm like, do I answer? And I pick up the phone and then he goes, Hey, he goes, Andrew, it's, it's so-and-so and he goes, listen, he goes, I don't know why I'm calling you. He goes, I'm taking the team to Brazil and we don't have any more spaces, but he goes, God told me you're supposed to come with us. And I remember, I remember just sitting there thinking, it was one of those moments. Like sometimes you pray things, but you're like, man, God, I didn't really expect you to answer it that fast. Like, I was, I was expecting to go in a couple years. I mean, literally all I did was say, God, if it's your will, I say yes. Two weeks later, I get a phone call. I'm telling you, sometimes God just wants us to agree with things concerning our lives, concerning his will, because the father is more than able. He's more than willing. God's got great plans for you. God's got things for you. And I love how E.M. Bounds said it. Nothing lies outside of your reach in prayer except that which lies outside of the will of God. If it's in the will of God, you should go after it in prayer. Uh, Let me move on. Are you guys with me this morning? So we've got to agree with God in prayer. But here's the second thing we've got to do. We've got to learn how to agree with one another in prayer. Oh, I... We've got to learn how to agree. How many know if we want to see the purposes and the plans of God come to pass in our lives? We've got to learn how to agree with other people in prayer. Listen, I... I, If if you're here today, obviously, I hope you're listening, but I want you to capture this. If you will capture the power of learning how to agree with people in prayer, you will receive breakthroughs that you have not been able to receive. You will go further than you have ever been able to go before, but further before, because God never even intended our prayer lives to be just alone. God always called us to partner with each other in the place of prayer. Are you with me this morning? Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 18. 18 verse 18. And Jesus said this, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus said, again, I say that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name. Someone say this. I am there in the midst of them. Jesus said, touch And agree. Touch and agree. Someone say touch. And agree. He said if you will agree on anything. And and I love that Jesus sets this up. He sets this up that hey I need you guys to come together and agree on something. So that it can be done. So there are certain things. There are certain breakthroughs. There are certain things that God wants to be done. That he will only do when we come together and pray. And you know, what's crazy is this, is I learned this lesson years ago. It's, this is actually deeply embedded in the scripture. In fact, this is deeply embedded in the Jewish culture. You, you ever notice that when Jesus gives the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, you notice that Jesus never said, pray like this, my Father, who art in heaven. Jesus said, pray like this, our Father. It was actually a community prayer. And I'll never forget, I started to understand this, this, this prayer culture within the Jewish community when I went to Israel years ago. And I'll, I'll never forget this because this, this, this was like a powerful, like it, it was very simple, but it was a powerful revelation for me to see it in front of my eyes. I was on the airline and here's what's so crazy about going to Israel. You will start to encounter the scripture and ca- encounter things before you ever even land in the, in the country because we're on the plane, right? And I'm flying the uh, Israel airline. It's called El Al. And we leave from Newark and we're flying to Jerusalem. And it's a long flight and we're flying through the night. So, you know, catching some shut eye. And you know how everyone shuts the thing. Well, all of a sudden, the sun starts to come up and somebody flips open the shade. First of all, I'm going to be honest, my first reaction was not like, yeah, my first reaction is like, are you kidding? How many of you have ever been on the plane and there's that one person? Everyone else is sleeping, but that one person wants to open the window. And how many know when the plane is pitch dark, when one person opens the window, it's like. <laughs> so I'm like, all of a sudden I see this window open, but all of a sudden I see all the windows open. Then, and I've never seen this and I still haven't seen this since. I see all of these Jewish Orthodox Jewish men stand up. And I knew they're Orthodox because they got their hat on. They got the black suit. They got the tzitzit, you know, it's uh, their tassels. They got the, you know, you can just tell they're Orthodox. They got the beard and the side curl and all that stuff. And um, if if you guys have ever been to like Brooklyn and certain parts of the country, you'll see large groups of Orthodox Jews and they're always easy to spot. And um, so all of a sudden, though, all at once, they're getting up all over the airplane. And I'm kind of like, what's happening? Because. Everyone's getting up at once. I'm like, we're still in the middle of the sky. Like everyone's starting to congregate. And I'm thinking, where's the stewardess? Because usually y'all know if the stewardess, you know how those stewardesses are. If you're a stewardess, God bless you. But you know how it is. If if more than three or four of us get back at the bathroom, there they are quickly. Hey, go sit down, sit down two at a time, three. I mean, usually there's some kind of order to the chaos, right? But I'm like, they're just just letting everybody stand up. But then I I started to, I, I watched and I realized, They're getting stuff out of the glove department. They're grabbing their Bible. Then they're grabbing their leather straps. That they wrap around their arm. And it started to hit me. Oh these are their morning prayers. And they all go to one side of the plane And they're facing east towards Jerusalem. And I'll tell you it was a real special. Listen. Honestly you know being you know. A Gentile Christian. This was real special to watch. Because you're seeing something that's ancient tradition. Right in front of your eyes. And. And I, I, I'm watching, and I'm thinking, here they are facing towards Jerusalem. We're headed towards Jerusalem. I'm like, this is awesome. But here's what I noticed. They were in groups, and they had their Bible, and they began to rock. And they would say their prayers. And you had fathers and sons. That, that was the thing I also noticed in Israel. Fathers were always grabbing their sons and their daughters and making them pray with them, especially the boys. They, and they would do this, and they would rock. And here I am on an LL airplane in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean or over somewhere. And all of these Orthodox Jews are on one side of the plane. And they're facing Jerusalem. And they're just rocking. And I asked somebody, I said, why do you do that? He said, anytime we get a chance, we pray in groups of 10. And, And this is their language because they said, we believe that it honors Hashem when we come into unity and pray together. And you know, I sat in the plane and i thought they here here they are the, the, these blessed orthodox jews And I love them. They're my brothers. I'm praying that they would taste the blessedness of the new covenant that me and you enjoy every single day. But here I am, and I'm watching you. I'm watching them, and I'm like, they get this idea of unity. They get this idea of corporate and agreement and prayer better than we do. And I'm thinking, and they're still in the old covenant, and they got this understanding. And I'm sitting there thinking, if we ever get that passion that they have on this side of the cross and say... What, think about what we have. What could we accomplish in prayer if we had that a passion to say, hey, would you come pray with me? Can we agree on God's word? I want to agree on God's word over our lives. We're not just, I'm not just praying my father. I'm praying our father. And you know what? I also learned a very valuable lesson. And this is something that the Jewish community can teach us about the scriptures. I learned this is that it's sometimes like, yes, we have our personal relationship with Jesus. So we pray my father, but see God never intended for us to just get in a corner and say, God, would you bless me? Bless my four and no more. God always intended for us to gather. That's why he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as some do. Because there's something sacred. There's a blessing that God puts. When not only we worship together, when we come together and when we pray together. There is exponential power and breakthrough available. God looks for people who want to touch and agree on some things. Amen. So I realized that God has a personal call of prayer of our lives, but he also has a corporate place of prayer over our lives. We were never meant to just pray by ourselves. And let me say this. uh, This is later in my notes, but I want to tell you, you know, a conclusion that I've come to. I told myself one time, I'm never going to have pride when it comes to prayer again. And here's what I mean. Anytime I need prayer, I ask for it immediately because I've learned a lesson we, we got to get out of this thing where we think we're too spiritual or we're a lone ranger or we can do it all by ourselves, and we don't need nobody. You know, not, not me. I've left that behind. Anytime I need prayer, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to build an attitude. I'll call up my friends and be, hey, can you pray with me? Let's agree on something. I need you to pray with me. If I can encourage anybody, be like that with prayer. Anytime someone wants to pray for you, covet their prayers. Anytime someone invites you to join them in praying with something, do it. Because I want to tell you, there's some blessedness on that. God has given us one one another and one of the best places that we actually help each other is praying for one another oh what if next time, what if you need a major breakthrough, right, in your business right now or in your life right now? It's good that you go in your pray, prayer closet and fast, but why don't you call your best friend and say, Hey, would you mind fasting lunch with me today? Can you contend with heaven? If you need healing in your body, I'm glad you're fasting. But I'll tell you what, why don't you call about five people and say, Listen, will you touch and agree with me? Can, you, can we bombard the heavens today? I'm praying and I need a breakthrough. I'm telling you, there is power in this thing, man. There is power when we learn how to agree. So that I, I told myself, I'm no longer going to do that thing. If I need prayer, I need agreement, I'm going to people. I, I'm that person. I'm the pastor that if they open up the line for impartation, I'm at the front of the line. I'm just that way about prayer now. I don't care. I, I, I believe too much in this power of agreeing with other believers in prayer. Someone say amen. So you may see me up here all the time. In fact, I did it a couple weeks ago. I came up here and I had one of them pray for me. I'm like, would you please pray for me? Because I don't know about you. I need it. We need it. And God is waiting to release things when we learn how to agree with one another in the place of prayer. But here's what I also want to show you in the book of Revelation. Would you turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 5? Is this helping anybody today? So we know that God often uses pictures and, and things that we understand in the natural to illustrate the spiritual dimension to us, right? You know, in the book of Jeremiah and Amos, God showed The prophet's a basket of figs, right? To illustrate Israel's uh, spiritual status. In the book of Hosea, God actually called Hosea and told him to marry a prostitute. And that represented how God felt about the nation of Israel worshiping other gods. (laughs) Some of us complain about stuff God's asked us to do. (laughs) That one's a tough one. (laughs) But it it was a picture in the natural of something in the spiritual There's something in the book of Revelation that is powerful concerning prayer. Listen to this. This is the power of when we touch and agree. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowls full of incense. What is this incense inside these bowls? He says this. They are the prayers of the what? The prayers of the... One, saints. Revelation chapter 8, verse 3 through 5. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense. That he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Isn't that amazing that our prayers, as they're going up, they're filling bowls and they're being offered before God as incense? And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. This is the cool part. Then the angel took the censer. The censer is like a bowl full of prayer, full of incense. And the angel took fire and he mixed fire with the prayers. And he took it and the Bible says he threw it back to the earth. Listen. I know that this is the context of revelation and this is within the context of certain events. But listen, I believe this is true. I believe that when we pray collectively, when we contend for breakthrough, when we contend for revival, when we contend for healing, when we contend for things. Because how many you know the prayers of a righteous man availeth much? Am I right? When the saints pray, they're precious to the Lord. I believe that when we pray, we are actually filling up bowls in heaven. Wherever we are bombarding the heavens, we are actually filling up bowls of incense. They are the prayers of the saints. And what happens is eventually those prayer bowls get so full that it's time for them to tip over now. And here's the thing we don't always know when the tipping point's going to come. That's that's why that's why we can't ever become weary in prayer because you never know when that bowl is going to tip in your life. Sometimes God will answer quickly and swiftly, but sometimes we are praying faithfully, consistently over certain things, and it feels like we're getting nowhere. But you don't understand that when we're praying, we're actually filling bowls and they're going before the throne of God. And here, even more than just personal prayers, which that I believe that counts too, but corporately as the saints, as we're contending and agreeing with the word of God concerning what he wants to do on the earth. God says eventually you're going to pray, right? And eventually there's going to come a tipping point. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stop praying before I get to that tipping point. I think about Cornelius in the book of Acts. How many of you remember that story in Acts chapter 10? Cornelius is a Gentile, but the Bible says that he was faithful to give uh, alms to the poor. He was generous. And it also says that his prayers went up continually before the Lord. And an angel came to Cornelius and said, Cornelius, your prayers have come up before the Lord as a memorial. So God, he he tells him that, that he links by literally through supernatural events. God links Cornelius with Peter. And by the way, up until Acts chapter 10, did you know that Peter was prejudiced? He wanted Peter to pray for a Gentile. But Peter said, Lord, I can't, I can't through the vision. He said, I can't touch what is unclean. And God said, don't call Unclean, what I have declared clean, God had to give Peter a vision just so that he could bring Cornelius and Peter together and when Peter prayed over Cornelius and his family, they were the first Gentile family to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that even even a man that was standing outside of the of the covenant, the New Covenant, who had not even received the blessing of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, he was over here, the bible says giving giving offerings to the poor but also offering up incense, offering up prayers. God sent an angel and said, Cornelius, your prayers have come before me as a memorial. And you know what? You know what his prayers did? It brought the thing that God was doing. It brought the move of God to the house of Cornelius. The Bible says his whole house that day. Someone say the whole house. Listen, parents, what are you touching and agreeing on concerning your home? But the Bible doesn't tell us that Cornelius prayed one time. It said he prayed continually. Continually. And I love this. That in, in Revelation, when, when the prayer bowls were, were filled, filled, the angel added fire from the altar. This is the fire. This is the same fire. that was the pillar, a pillar of fire in Exodus that led Israel into the promised land. This is the fire that fell on the sacrifice when Elisha prayed this is the tongues of fire that appeared in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 there there comes a time when our prayers go up before the Lord and, and then he says you know what now's the time and fire gets mixed with that the power of the Holy Spirit starts moving and God says it's time and when that happens there's nothing that can stop what God wants to do in your life I am telling you I am prophesying and I'm speaking to people who have been praying consistently and faithful through the years don't stop praying don't stop filling up those bowls don't stop praying over that promise because you never know when that day is going to come when that bowl will fill and God will answer that prayer and don't you love the suddenlies of God don't you love when God just suddenly comes? But do you know what I have found? Whenever God moves mightily, whenever God does something great on the earth, you mark my words, go and track it somewhere someone's been interceding, somewhere someone's been praying. There are no great revivals that have started without prayer. There are no reformations or movements or big things that God has not do, that God has done without prayer. Prayer always precedes it. And what happens is one day we walk into the suddenlies of God. But I have found that the suddenlies of God follow every day. Every day seeking God Every day petitioning God Every day holding on to that promise Speaking that promise Agreeing with the word of God Agreeing with the word of God when you don't see it Agreeing with the word of God when it looks impossible Agreeing with the word of God when you don't even know how God's going to do it And then all of a sudden Suddenly one day Peter comes knocking at your door The move of God comes looking for your life Amen so if we can feel prayer bowls in heaven, which I believe we can, I believe as saints, our prayers go up before the Lord as incense. If we can feel them, then why are we not using this more to our advantage? Could it be that there are God things that God wants to do in this church, in this city, in our families, but God is waiting for us to come together and agree? Can I preach for five more minutes? Like I feel like it, I'm going to tell you, number one, I'm going to tell you why I think sometimes we do not use this beautiful gift of praying in agreement is number one. The enemy is already working overtime to discourage you in your own prayer life. And if you're discouraged in your own prayer life, you're least likely to join other people. But you want me to tell you what I've, what I've learned? When you, when you are the most discouraged in the place of prayer, that's when you need to go find somebody and say, listen, I'm not feeling it right now. I don't got the goosebumps. I don't even have the faith right now. But would you would you link arms with me? I have found out that when I don't want to pray, that's when I need to pray the most. And when I don't want to pray, I need to go get around other people that know how to pray. Amen? So number one, the enemy wants to discourage you from not only in your own personal life, but he doesn't want us to ever understand this secret that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight because he knows that if we ever understand that there is power, when we touch and agree on something, he doesn't want us to figure it out. He wants us to suffer in silence, be isolated, feel cut off, feel rejected, live with offense, so on and so forth. And God said, if, if only you could touch and agree. Someone say agree. But here's here's another reason. Sometimes we don't agree with one another in prayer. Division. Can I talk plainly for just a few moments? The spirit of the age that is out there right now is pure chaos, there is division rampant everywhere. That spirit is so strong, it's on everything. There is so much there is so much offense to go around. Pick something. You could you could literally just scroll on social media like 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 the will of fortune and just land on a post and pick something to be offended about. Everyone's offended, everyone's anxious, everyone's worked up. Everyone is just spun up and you know what? We we're, we're, we're being played. Can I talk to us for just a few moments? You see the because the chaos that is out there, the enemy wants that to get into the church so that we stay divided. Because if if we ever unite, and, and, and listen to me, if we ever unite, especially in a place of prayer, things are going to change. Things are going to shift. They can't not shift. And so... This is how the enemy works. It's very simple. Years and years ago, there was a a man called Alexander the Great. Most of us know who Alexander the Great was. But his father, Philip II, was the first to coin this phrase. He said, we need to divide and conquer. Later on, Julius Caesar would pick that up. And Julius Caesar would use this as one of his most Precious military strategies. He said you have to divide and conquer. Later on, Napoleon used it, and then Machia- uh, Machiavelli, who became the uh, Italian philosopher and thinker, it became a way of the Machiavellian way of thinking divide and conquer. Because the only way you can conquer people is truly to divide them. Amen? And one of the things that hinders the church from truly impacting the world is when division comes into the body of Christ, causing us to not coming to an agreement. And what we start to do is we start to give up our mandate. We take the position that if there's any kind of disagreement or if they don't see things exactly the way I I see it or if they offended me or this person did this. we, We think that that gives us a reason to get out of alignment and out of agreement. And we don't realize what we're doing. We're giving up our mandate to be the salt and the light. And Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. But if the enemy could come in and divide us, we can begin to give away our mandate. Please hear me this morning. I'm not, telling, I'm not telling you that there, aren't important, there are important things that we got to walk out and talk about. What I'm saying is this, is that we are not going to solve it the same way the world is solving it. We, we should not be engaging this the same way the world is engaging this. And you know, one day I sat there and one day I turned on the news and this hit me so hard. I sat there and I watched the news and I flipped back between these different stations and I realized, you know what? We're all being played. We are. Because politics is built on division by its very nature. Because here's what has to happen in politics. One side has to convince you that, that it's worse than it really is and that they're worse than you really think. This side has to convince you that they're worse than you think, and it's worse than you think. And what's happening is we're both being played because they know the only way they can retain power is to get us all angry at each other. And what's happened is, is even over the last few years, it's beginning to spill into the church. But God is saying, listen, you've, we've gotta leave that junk out there. We gotta deal with stuff within the family the way that God has called us to deal with it. We've gotta do things differently. We are of a different mind, A different spirit. And if we allow that to get in here. We're going to lose our salt. We're going to lose our ability to affect change out there. And what's crazy is. And and I got to close. In Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus says whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. We all want to bind and loose right. But did you know that that passage of scripture. It's nestled in that chapter. That whole chapter is about relational reconciliation and dealing with sin. Seriously, go read the verses above it and after it. The whole chapter is de- dealing with reconciliation. And what do we do when there's a fence? And what would, what do we do when people fall into sin? In other words, if we want to bind and loose anything, that we have to work towards re- reconciliation and restoration. We can't be okay with being divided and think that we're going to bind and loose things and affect change. No, there has to be agreement. Two or three have to come together. We like the binding and loosening. We don't like the agreeing. We've got to learn how to disagree different. We've got to learn how to disagree well. We've got to learn how to have differences of opinions and still love and still keep the bonds of the unity of the spirit of peace. We've got to fight for unity in the church. Because if we lose that, our prayers become less effective. But get this. Say with me, say agree. And I'm closing. In Amos chapter 3 verse 3, prophet says this. Can two walk together lest they be agreed? Now listen, I I, I, I wanted to know. So I went and looked up this Hebrew word. And it's interesting. Because I thought that when I looked up this Hebrew word, I thought it was going to tell me that agreed meant... Complete agreement. Like like you see eye to eye on everything. But that's not actually even what the word means. Get this. The Hebrew word that's used there. Actually means. First thing it means. It means to agree to meet somebody. Stay with me. It means to assemble. To gather. The one commentary wrote. It literally means to make an appointment. And to keep it. To meet someone. Okay? Then you fast forward and you get into the New Testament in Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus said, if you touch, I mean, if two or three of you agree, it shall be done. Right. And I think, okay, well, what does that Greek word mean? Okay. That Greek word has means it's, it's closely related to the word that we get harmony. Okay. So I started piecing it together and I'm like, there's a message here. Amos said, if we could just, if we could be agreed, we can walk together. But Amos said, just get together. Right. In other words, you can't even begin to agree if you won't meet. The first part, you don't get to harmony if you don't want to be around them. And so see how, how we, how we, how sometimes getting to the place of agreement is a journey, but here's how we start. Can we just gather like we're doing now? Can we just agree to meet? Can we keep our appointment? And here's what we do. We gather. And then here's what we do. We let Jesus work on us. Because see, sometimes we don't know how to bring ourselves into an agreement. Sometimes we don't know how to bring ourselves into harmony. Jesus has to work in our hearts. The spirit of God actually has to do the work in us. God said, but can you just gather together? Like the disciples, when Jesus brought them to the last supper, half of them didn't like each other. They're they're jockeying for position in Jesus's kingdom. But Jesus was still able to get them to the table. Jesus is saying, can I just get you together? Okay, now that you're together, here Jesus says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And so what Jesus does is once he has us together, then he says, he'll work on the harmony part. He starts to work on us and we start to prefer one another. We start to learn how to love one another. We start to learn how to come into an agreement. And we realize that we can actually come and agree on the things of God without seeing the eye to eye on everything. Do you really think the disciples saw eye to eye on everything? Do you really think that all of the believers in the upper room had the same football team? No. Because I've learned this, you don't get unity by preaching unity. You get unity by preaching Jesus because he's the magnetic force that brings us, that draws us. And when he draws us, he gets us together and then he starts to knit us together. And next thing you know, there's a spirit and there's a bond of unity and love. And the next thing you know is no matter our differences, I can say, you know what? I I don't even need to know who you voted for. I don't need to even know what your opinions are. But can we touch and agree on the things of God? Can we touch and agree on the will of God? Can I pray with you and intercede for your family? Your, your son left home last year and you haven't heard from him in six months. Does it really matter if I'm a Republican and you're a Democrat? Or do you just need someone to stand in prayer with you about? God saying, can we lay the silliness aside and come together and pray about some things that matter? Uh, there's a boldness over me I'm, I'm so sorry there are bigger things at stake than what Sean Hannity thinks or what Don Lemon thinks we've got to get together and say guess what I don't, we can't handle things the way they do but God, God said if we'll touch and agree on a matter stay with me to your feet If we stop saying to the enemy, if we, I mean, if we start saying to the enemy, you can't divide us anymore. I'm going to love my brother no matter what. I'm going to love my sister no matter what. I'm going to come into a spirit of agreement no matter what. Because God has things for us to do in this earth. And guess what? They're not going to actually come to pass unless I can link arms with you. Lest I can link arms with Victor and other people and say, hey, let's pray for revival in this generation. I can't be by myself alone praying in a prayer. I can go pray by myself, but when I get with other people in my generation, I say, can we link arms? Can we all intercede? Can we all agree? Hey, family, parents, I know it's felt like a battle. It's felt like a war at times. But if you could bury the hatchet and say, you know what? Can we start touching and agreeing and speaking the promises of God over our family? Can we start agreeing with what the Lord says about us? With what the Lord says about our home? What could God release? Here's one crime is up in Houston, we just surpassed Chicago. We need to all come and touch and agree that we're going to put a stop to that right now. Before anything can be done in the natural, we've got to first deal with it in the spirit. And the enemy's got us distracted with all kinds of things. And God is saying, are my people going to pray? Because here we keep waiting for them to get it together. They're not going to get it together. God says when my people pray the gates of hell shall not prevail. Where two or three are gathered in my midst, there I am. Whatever you bind, whatever you loose, whatever you agree on, my father's going to do it. So can we this year say, this year, I'm going to start standing on some promises over your family. How about this? God, we're going to agree with your word over Inspired Church this year. We're going to agree with your word over the city of Houston this year. I'm gonna end with this. Here's something we can all touch and agree on. William Seymour came through here a hundred years ago carrying a revival. A true story. But he had to leave Houston because it was so divided. And he went to Azusa and the rest is history, California. But for years, they've been saying, Houston, there's a destiny on this city. There's an inheritance over this city. And this past week, there's a there, oh, the last two weeks, I've met with a ministry. They're coming to Houston this year. They're, they're going to be doing, they pick one city a year. And they're going to be doing major campaigns all over the city for the next year. And, and, and they met with us. And they said, you know, they wanted to meet with some pastors in the city and just build relationship. And I said, why did you guys choose Houston this year? He said, God spoke to us and said, Houston is one of the major keys for the whole nation. Then we started talking. Get this. You wonder why the crime's out of control right now? This is why. Because God wants to do something here. William Seymour, after he left Houston, prophesied that in a hundred years... God would do it again, but it would be way, way stronger than it was the first time. And listen, we're sitting there, we're sitting there talking and we said, when did Seymour die? 1922. This is the hundredth year. And and I I don't know if you understand, like that's enough right there. That's that's enough for us to touch and agree with something over prayer. God, the inheritance you have over Houston, the revival that you wanted to send here, the destiny you have over this city. Why do you think the crime rate's out of control right now? Out of nowhere, the crime rate's out of control. Why do you think? Because God's about to do something. That's just one thing of many. God's doing a hundred things and we're usually aware of three of them. But if we could even touch and agree on three of them, So here's your assignment. How can you start to agree with God more in the place of prayer over your life? How can you start to agree with God over the promises and over the word of God concerning your family? This week, I challenge you. You need a breakthrough? Call five people, call three people. Can we come into agreement? I need this. Well, how can I pray for you? Let's just start practicing it. I'm going to agree with you in prayer, brother. What do you need? I don't want you to have to carry that because God has given it as a gift to one another that we would carry these things in prayer and that we would see breakthrough. Amen. He wants us isolated, but if we come together, come on, lift up your hands.